Hello and welcome to Movies and Shit. Uh, so today we're going to cover episode two of season eight of Game of Thrones. And listen, we promise, me and Max, we will get back to the uh, the, the season recaps, season four through seven. They're coming, all right? Yeah, at uh, some point. But currently, I mean, we got to strike while the iron's hot, right? Like this yeah. episode came out yesterday. I feel like we have a fiduciary responsibility. Do you know that word, Max? Fiduciary, it's for lawyers and real estate agents. Well, I'm neither of those things. <laughs> but you're well read, sir. I thought you might know, you know? um fidu, fidu, it's to fiduciate um yes. uh with money like to strike while the money is there is that uh, what this is saying i'm gonna is? be honest it no it's about it's like your liabilities uh towards your client i don't know why i brought it up i'm sorry like, do, I do we have clients do we have liabilities the people who listen to this podcast right like there are clients sort of it's a tacit agreement a tenuous connection they're not paying us it's a high wire act, man. You never know. <laughs> anyway, let's stay on topic, right? The point is this. Uh, episode two of season eight, which was entitled, what, A Night of the Seven Kingdoms. Man. Yeah, who gives a shit? Episode 69 or whatever. Mm. What do you think that is? I told you off camera, off mic. The, my yeah, you told, you told me your theory, which his theory, to be clear, is that they don't title the episode until they see what the fan reacts reaction is, like what they react most to. And I guess, like, according to that theory people most reacted Winterfell. to Winterfell. <laughs> yeah. And in this one, they most reacted to Brienne of Tarth getting knighted because it's a knight of the seven kingdoms, right? right. Yeah. yeah. But is it Brienne or is it uh, Jamie who was the knight that knights her? You know what I mean? And it's, it, know, it's a touching it's scene. It's anyone's guess. Yeah. Well, it's a touching scene. I do want to kind of get into it. I mean, I, I want to say right off the bat before we go into the details of uh, improvement from last week, uh, big time, in my opinion. How you feeling? So yeah, I'm of uh, a mixed opinion on it a little bit. It's definitely better than last week's episode, but I would say that like it comes with its own caveats there a little bit. Last week's episode was table setting that didn't really need to happen because it was a lot of information we already knew. This week's episode was a lot of table setting that did need to happen. There's a lot of character moments that needed to happen. Like we got some reunions that we kind of complained about in the first episode, like Arya and the Hound got a little bit more weight and closure this time, which I was happy to see. But the problem, or I guess my biggest problem with it, and I shouldn't complain too much because, like, what can I expect from late season Game of Thrones? But the problem is, like, most of those character moments were rooted in dialogue that had already been written in previous seasons. They were all Thank callbacks. You. They were all jokes that had already been done. Um, it was cool to see these characters hang out, but it was literally Tyrion, I drink and I know things, and, you know, fucking Tormund, oh, I want to fuck Brienne, basically. Right. Um, you know, it's just... The Tyrion, to... Tyrion talking to his, uh, his brother, uh, Jamie, and then talking about, like, how, you know, with, like, uh, with a whore's uh, lips wrapped around my cock, that whole scene or whatever. Yeah. And I literally turned to Dolores. I'm like, they're just, they're just saying the shit they said before. Like, that's yeah. not good writing. These are, like, literally all conversations they've all had before, either with each other or someone else or, or something. Look, and I, it, understand, I understand. Good moments. Yeah. And look, I understand the impulse to acknowledge previous relationships, but there's, oh, sure, there's sure. ways to do that with while also showing some growth. I think it wasn't perfect, but the second Aria Hound scene was a much better representation of that. Yeah. Um, and just, just, the, just the little moment they gave him where he turned to her, and I forget exactly what he said, but like, I, I looked out for you. Yeah. You've never looked out for anybody but yourself. And he's like, I looked out for you. And that's all he had to say. And I was like, okay, that's all yeah. I needed. No, Good. it was great. And that's the thing. Yeah. We're not asking for the world. We're just asking for yeah. a couple of these moments that show like, hey, people change, but they can also like, you know, acknowledge the past right. history that they shared. So with that, I think, hey, man, let's just jump in because the opening scene is a, is a lot about shared history. 
Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the last episode, we had Bran chilling outside the gates of Winterfell. Jamie Lannister shows up. They have a little stare off, whatever. Yeah, let, let, let's actually talk about that. Why sure. did Bran have to wait two days outside for Jamie um, and say nothing to him, apparently? And then only for Jamie to go into the court of Winterfell for Bran to continue saying nothing. Right. If this episode would have picked up immediately and then like, you know, the, the, the guards in Winterfell were all surrounding Bran, you're like, all right, I understand the dramatic effect of that. Remember when these episodes used to end and then literally pick up exactly where yeah. the episode ended? Like, right. I thought that's what we're going to get. Instead, and listen, I'm not super complaining about it with the exception of the Bran stuff, which is like, well, why is he waiting outside? And they didn't even have a conversation. Like we have to yeah, have a whole that, that's what I'm meeting. saying. Like, cause he's like, I'm, I'm waiting for an old friend. Right. Uh, but, but whatever, putting aside how I think that's stupid, let's just talk about the scene that did happen, which is uh, Danny, Danny kind of taking Jamie to task a little bit. And it's interesting yeah. because like, she's pissed at Tyrion, whatever. We'll get to that. That sort of annoys me, but I can make a case. I understand it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, he hasn't made the best strategic uh, decisions as of late. Yeah, his IQ dropped like a hundred points in the past uh, couple seasons somehow. <laughs> um, so there's that. Um, but also just the fact that I, I think it's interesting the level of hypocrisy, and I hope the show is aware that this is hypocrisy. I think it is actually because they're really leaning into, you know, Daenerys is a little power hungry. Um, Daenerys might not deserve all this. Um, the hypocrisy of just the previous episode, the best scene in that episode was her realizing that she killed Sam's dad and brother. Sure. And then for her to turn to Jamie and what we would do to the man that murdered our father. Um, thought that was interesting. Well, I, I, will make a, I will make a case for it in as much that uh, Danny is still very young. I don't think we seem to realize that, right? Because when she sold off into the, the cowl, right? Like, uh, yeah. how old is she at that point? Like 13 or something? In the books, yeah, I think that sure. I, I guess they, they never aged say her it up in the a show. little bit. Yeah, I'm assuming they aged her up. Okay, yeah, so it's a um, yeah. And and um, we can't get too into timelines here because if we do that and we assume Danny is very young, then another yes. scene. No, in this I'm, I'm completely with you. But I, what I, what I was going to say was is that all of those stories come from a place of childhood when they yeah. are uh, on the outskirts, when they are on the run, when they're fearing for their lives, and they know that they descended from this great thing, but the very name Targaryen is a stain on the world. So I could see why that seeped in. That's some very deep rooted bullshit in terms of like the things we do. I think that even when she realized that she had burned Sam's parents, she had a moment of realization, but then she was like, look, I, he could have bent the knee, you know, mm-hmm. like she didn't really want to take full responsibility for it or, or have like too much of an internal reflection on that moment. So that's the thing. I think they're at least being semi consistent with that. If I can defend it, but the scene at large only works because of pre-existing storylines. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. uh, the Sansa, we'll ignore the Sansa bit of it for now. Let's just go straight to the Brienne and Jamie aspect, which is like, she's like, yo, we should fucking kill this person. <laughs> Danny is essentially like, yo, I, he's the Kingslayer and I would kill yeah. this person, blah, 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 blah. And also you last, we heard you were working with Cersei. Like, where's this army that I was promised? You know, mm-hmm. like I get it. Why this trepidation, but Brienne basically steps up and is, uh, the Atticus Finch, of like, you know, uh, yeah. of the scene, man. Like, you yeah. need one guy on your side, and it's not even a guy, it's fucking Brianna Tarth. It's Brianna Tarth, and she's like, hey, I vouch for this uh, this schmuck over here, you know, even though he did all these things. And I also like that Jamie uh, stuck to his guns, and he's like, hey, it was fucking war, um, right. by the way, what I did to your dad. We were straight up at war, sorry. And then I love Brienne coming in and being like, yeah, it was actually Catelyn Stark that he swore an oath to and he upheld that oath and that should mean something. 
Um, well, and it was interesting that Sansa was the bigger person in that situation. You know, mm -hmm. like Sansa, which again, they're just they're just from one episode to another, not giving me consistency with like. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing, man. I seeing her in that little like the little hoop thing. You know, what I'm talking mm -hmm. about like that the, the lady of Winterfell has to wear. It yeah. really got me for the first time that she's like, no, she's the lady of fucking Winterfell, man. <laughs> like, yeah, there's, there always has to be a Stark in Winterfell and she is the Stark in Winterfell. That's but it was also say. the first time I looked at her being like, oh, she's just a straight up adult. Like I no longer yeah. see that innocent, stupid girl. And I still think she's, she's, you know, fallible. She'll make mistakes, but I see her as a more complete, like fully grown woman who is now like acting with the best interests of Winterfell. Mm -hmm. uh, well, at least that's, uh, that's how I'll spin it. You know what I'm saying? Like, she wasn't egregious in this episode by any stretch of the imagination. No. But a couple of things about that scene I want to talk about, which is <laughs> I don't think that she liked uh, Sansa, obviously, kind of siding with Brienne, but the Warden of the North comment, right? Like, she kind of yeah. goes, she's like, all right, well, your sister, she don't like me, but you, yeah, you know, we're like, mm -hmm. we're hooking up. So I assume you got my back. And he's just like, again, he's, he's kind of fighting that bigger war. We need every, you know, able-bodied man. we Right. And he's get. also thinking in the back of his brain, like, oh, you're my aunt. Right. <laughs> God damn it. Right. He plays that really close to the chest the entire episode. Yeah. Like, that's kind of a beef too. I mean, I look, there are parts of this episode that are absolutely reminiscent to me of the Blackwater, at least the first 15 minutes of the Blackwater where you have like mm -hmm. the whorehouses and everyone's drinking and singing songs and like, it's interesting that they're singing songs this time too at certain points, but it's definitely a more somber tone. I think everyone kind of knows what this is. It, um, it's it's kind of like that combination apocalypse movie and war movie trope of the calm before the storm where everybody's sort of like, is like, well, we're, we might all be fucked, but at least we'll be fucked together. And like, let's all tell stories and drink and sit around the campfire, so to speak. Um, and it definitely was that episode. Um, that's all I got. <laughs> well, no, no. I mean, that's interesting you bring that up. And, I, and I'm sorry that we're not going as, uh, you know, linear as I, as I like. But I want to bring that up because you said the word apocalypse. And this is the first time I've really viewed this as a apocalyptic thing. Mm -hmm. um, there's, a, there's a war council scene later. And I'm sorry that we were jumping out, but it's important to the point I'm making. Where we kind of realized for the first time, like, we know Bran's very important as the Three-Eyed Raven. But I guess I've never realized, like, how integral he is to the world at large right the show has never made that clear exactly what the three-eyed raven is like right. and he does in this episode and i actually really liked that touch is that right. the night king there's the contrast right night king is there to snuff out all the light and memory in the world you know that's literally just death right. and he is there as the fucking fucking data kinda, center kinda, of all the, the giver, you know what i'm saying remember that book we read is yeah the giver and it's just yeah like, where the yeah. old guy would like you know fucking and give people memories i don't know yeah. i don't remember what happened in that fucking it's, book. it's basically i mean without giving the memory part of it it's the same thing there's one person who is kind of tasked with knowing all of human history and knowledge and right. pain and all this shit. and can't so, he see in color and everybody else sees in black and, black white. and white yeah, yeah. that's what's illustrated and so it's interesting because i've kind of viewed him as the same character and i think they're, they're probably around the same time i think they're both you know one, one is the three-eyed raven straight up season one they already have that prophecy in there because i know in the in the books or in the uh, early seasons of the tv show we see the dreams of the three-eyed raven but it's not like i just wonder how much of that is explicitly stated in the books and how much of that is hinted at in the books I think it's more hinted at and then Jojen Reed kind of comes into the mix and like the three-eyed raven becomes a more like a real person um, okay. because like it wasn't really clear what was going on or who that was or what that was. 
It was just right. these visions that Bran was getting. Well, again, the scene is just interesting to me because it's like, again, we, we, we look at this as like the battle of the living and the dead, but we kind of assumed that like, well, if the dead win, they'll just roam the earth. But it, yeah. it, it seemed very much like worse than that. <laughs> like, like no, no, no. It's not like they'll just roam. Like they're trying to exist the existence of shit in a way. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's not like a literal thing, but if you erase all your histories and there's no one to tell it, what's the difference? You know what I'm saying? Which I thought was like, yeah, kind of a big deal. I kind of really enjoyed that scene, but it also somehow raised the stakes for a battle that you already knew involved ice zombies. So you're like, how can they make this, the personal stakes be any more uh, dire? And they kind of did, which I thought was a really interesting touch in this episode. Yeah, yeah, that's one of my favorite things about it is just putting that into context. I mean, I guess better late than never. Um, yeah. You know, because we've had this conflict coming for since season one, and now we finally understand, at least on some conceptual level, like what the fuck it is. Yeah, the stakes are very high. Uh, let's yeah. get to a couple of reunions then. So, you know, Jamie's in Winterfell. Uh, last time he was here was not great, as we get into a little bit later. But uh, first off, he kind of sees his brother again um, mm-hmm. in terms of the first one-on-one moment. And again, like, it's nice because I like those characters and we haven't seen them on screen together, I think. Re- I mean, we saw them a little bit last season together, but the, the majority of their time spent together showing all that love pretty much died at season four, right? Like, you know, yeah. when, when he leaves uh, King's Landing. So it was, it was a nice reunion for sure, but predicated on, on a lot of previous history, which is why I can't, like, love it. I can't applaud it all that much. The one thing I will kind of say about it is, um, I, you know, I like the, the, the idea that, like, yeah, let's not, let's dispel of the notion that you didn't know who Cersei was. You know what I mean? Like, you always knew who she was and you didn't care. And mm-hmm. I think that, that that's like a ooh, pithy line, but I think the bigger point is that it goes to show, again, how much Jamie has changed. I don't think, like, Jamie didn't care back then because he was a deplorable person. His his personal redemptive arc is the reason that he suddenly isn't turning a blind eye to this shit anymore. Right. I mean, that that was his whole thing or their whole thing. Their whole fucked up dynamic is like we're the only two people that matter in the whole world and everything else is just fades away, right? Like they were each other's escape. Um, and you could, you know, talk about why he needed so badly to escape or why she needed so badly to escape. It's probably their upbringing. Right. But yeah, Um Glad to see him fucking finally acknowledging what that really was. Well, he can barely even hold his attention because he's too busy kind of checking out Brienne. Oh, yeah. People and just stuff. like literally just wanders away from this very real conversation with his brother. I was like, damn. Right. Harsh. harsh <laughs> on Tyrion. But again, and I love the Tyrion. It's just like, I wish I could pull apart Cersei then from then. <laughs> and he's already like walking away. I'm like, that's a really weird thing to like squint off into the sunset and say wistfully, <laughs> but okay. And the thing is like, no one, no one's there to call him on it later. <laughs> you know, exactly. like, I didn't hear that. What are you talking about? Uh, um, if Tyrion says something inappropriate, no one's around to hear it. Did he even say it? <laughs> the age old question. Philosophers. <laughs> nightmare fuel. Well, okay. But so compare, let's compare that to the other reunion that people seem to really like and pine for. And something that I do feel is earned. Um, especially in a later scene, but the Brienne Jamie thing, because mm. as much as their relationship is this thing that we've grown to love, we also realize that it never got out of the pulling the pigtails phase, so to speak. Right? Like it was always like a compliment mixed with an insult. Oh, you're fuck, you're huge. <laughs> like who? Don't you want to? Get well, fucked, you okay. Know? So this is actually I had a problem with because like I've been rewatching the show and like when Jamie sends her off or whatever, he's pretty much nothing but nice to her. And then in this scene, she's all like oh, this is the longest you've ever talked to me without insulting me. I'm like, I, I right. don't think that's true because I just saw the 
that scene, Brienne of Tarth. Right. That's true. Why when don't you rewatch when, your own show of your own life? When uh, he gives the Valyrian steel, it's like yeah. a rather nice send off. He's yeah. pretty somber at that point, you know, pretty sober, somber. Old He'd lost Jimmy. a lot at that point, man. He'd been beaten by life, you know? Like, what is he going to do? He's like beaten by life and just an old, decrepit man at this point. You know, we, yeah. we, we forget he's like 45 now. You know, he's not the young. Right. He's got one Ryan. hand. It all comes at a cost for Jamie Lannister. <laughs> anyway, my, so, the, so you have a problem with that. I guess I totally see that because you're right. Like, that is a, a character inconsistency to the last couple times we've seen them together. Mm-hmm. Um, but it still doesn't take away from the later scene. I just want to point that out for me. Like, I think that is a bigger scene for a couple of different reasons. And we'll get into that accordingly. Um, but yeah, overall, I did like the Brienne scene just because like, I like those two people together. And uh, it is definitely writing that fan service line. I'm not saying it's not, you know, where they're trying yeah. to give us a lot of what they want to give us. But I still think that like, you know, we were talking about this earlier. You're like, what did you rate it out of 10? And I'm just like eight out of 10. But with the caveat that like, we're not, this isn't the, 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 what, the, what is it called? The weighted grade scale. <laughs> There's no curve yeah. on this. Like there was for the first four seasons, right? Like there is right. a new rubric when it comes to everything post season four, in my opinion. Um, and so I was like eight out of 10, but like the caveat is like, what would that be in one through four, like a six, like a seven, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'll take the best that I can get out of it at this point. I'd give it like a five, honestly, if I was waiting it or if I was grading it seasons one through four scale. Right. And I liked it. Yeah. It was fine. I guess a five out of 10 is an F, so I wouldn't give it a five, but yeah, yeah. Okay, well, let me ask you this, man. How are you feeling about Tyrion's role? You said it earlier, like, uh, you know, his IQ has dropped 100 points for the <laughs> convenience of the fucking plot. Like, suddenly yeah. he is constantly outthought. Um, that whole scene, I mean, like, again, it's not like they haven't been setting it up since last season, to be fair. Mm-hmm. And because the last season took fucking almost two years to kind of get to us, it seems like this guy's been fucking up for two years now. <laughs> but in reality, it's only been a couple you know, uh, this bad string of lucks in a row. Well, it's just, a, it, well, I mean, so he kind of like doesn't do much in Marine and then it falls apart and Danny comes back. So it's kind of starts there. Right. right. And then, uh, he goes to Westeros. He loses literally all of her allies and almost one fell swoop due to poor planning. Um, fucks up with Casterly Rock. She has to take over there. Then he fucks up with trusting Cersei. Danny's like, what the fuck? Like at this point, if I were Danny, I'd be like, um, you're fired. Look, and that bothered me too, because that is a off screen conversation that we had, right? Mm-hmm. That we thought would come back into play. Because again, if Game of Thrones doesn't show you something, this is the logic it used to play by. If it doesn't show you something, there's a reason for it. With the exception yeah. of like Serio Pharrell's death, right? That's why I think a lot of people were like, Stannis ain't dead, bro. They would have they would have showed that death. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, no, we're not that's not the same show anymore, man. So they're they're right. fine not showing you stuff. But that's you know, it's interesting because he just says, like, in one line, she said that the baby had changed him and like that I should believe her. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, again, it just seems like a little too convenient. And I wonder, like, listen, Miles told me something the other day when we were talking about this, which is interesting to me. He said that DB and Dan had said that the three biggest like holy shit moments for them in the series with red wedding hold the door in terms of like when martin told them you know they were like floored by that revelation and that the third one is in this season and so i'm just wondering like what what could this possibly be that would be on the same level of those two like holy shit moments 
um, right. in this series. And I'm wondering if like, you know, a part of me was like, maybe it is tied to Tyrion and this off screen conversation, but it seems right. like they kind of shot that idea in the foot. You know what I mean? Like there won't be a, a surprise factor to it anymore. And I didn't mean to like ask you for a conspiracy theory. Now, I guess what I'm saying is like, I thought that would have been so integral. Like this was a show that if they didn't show you something, there was a reason for it. And now it's like, if they don't show you something, it's because they probably forgot to mention it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they didn't know how to do it the right way. And I think it's just, it, you know, it is a different show completely. It's so hard to fucking explain that, man. Um, yeah. I, ahead, I know like I sound like I'm really down on this episode, by the way. And I'm not like, I'd, uh, on the scale of the past few seasons, I'd give it like a seven out of 10. The first one I gave it like a six out of 10. Right. Um, this one's like a good seven. And there were moments that really made me feel stuff and like that were really emotional and like nice to watch. But again, with the understanding that they were scenes I'd seen before. For the sure. Most part. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, okay, well, so we already talked about the the Jamie, uh, well, I guess we haven't. Let's talk about Jamie and Bran in the, uh, what is that, the Werewoods? Or the God Godwoods, right? The Godswood, um, yeah. So, like, that's another interesting scene. And I guess, like, it's necessary. It wasn't the best scene. It wasn't, like, the most amazing thing. But I do like it because I feel like at least it kind of sets into focus, like, your first step in this journey that would take a thousand paces or whatever, right, mm-hmm. wasn't it wasn't the destination wasn't what you thought it was when you set out. You did this horrific thing because you thought you were protecting your family because you're protecting a secret, blah, 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 blah. And this, the, the most atrocious thing you could have done, like definitely with killing the mad King, right? Like, you yeah. know, he was mad. It's still like you, you swore an oath to your King and you betrayed it. Your Kingslayer was actually this real beautiful inciting incident for his, uh, his redemptive arc. Just like it's also the inciting incident for brand. Like in no way is brand really a victim is kind of what I got out of that scene because it, it, it kicked off his destiny uh, that he was always supposed yeah. to be the three-eyed raven. So their, their fates are intrinsically linked. Yeah, he wouldn't have been Dr. Manhattan light, you know, if uh, Jamie hadn't pushed him out of a fucking window. At least Dr. Um, Manhattan can replicate himself and he can walk, all right? Like, I just want to throw that out there. Like, imagine having the powers boom, of Dr. Manhattan. roasted. <laughs> but being a paraplegic still, that's terrible, man. The fucking FDR of, like, celestial <laughs> beings and shit? No. I mean, to be, to be fair, he can take over the bodies of other things and, like, run around and do whatever the fuck able-bodied people do. Right. Do you think Not that I playing... don't know what that is. I'm able-bodied. Do you think he's playing fast and loose with the whole, like, what? <laughs> how do you know there is an afterwards? <laughs> like, that scene where I'm like, bro, you can see all of time and space, right? Like, this, like at least, right. again, let's bring up the Dr. Manhattan thing. The threat is nu- nuclear warfare. Like, I can understand the interference into the temporal fucking, like, mm-hmm. space. But with Bran, like, he's supposed to be able to see anything. Why are you fucking, like, in fact, can't you, like, go into the future and find out how we win if there is a scenario to win or, like, any of that right. shit? Like, it just seems like he's I being mean, a may- maybe boy. he has, and maybe giving him that information would alter the course of, like, that timeline right. or something. Maybe okay. it's like an Infinity War type situation, you know? Doctor well, Strange is like, I've seen a million whatevers and we only win in one bullshit, right. by the way. <laughs> Not in infinite fucking universes. <laughs> There's billions. No, but like that's that's kind of my point, which is just like uh they've really set up this battle as like, oh, it was the living versus the dead, but real talk, it's just the Night King versus Bran in a way that they have never really said before. And maybe they didn't do enough to really earn it up until this point. I'm fine with the the explanation they gave us. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying we need to spend more time on it. I just wish maybe that was peppered in a little bit better, like these motivations. Like maybe it will be. Like that these next four episodes are all 
like feature length episodes, an hour and 20 right. minutes, you know? So there's going to be a lot of time to get to this stuff. I'm just curious about how it all kind of plays out and executes because that's the big thing, you know, in the war council scene, we have this whole thing where Bran is like, so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to chill over here by the weirwood. <laughs> I'm going to sit down next to a tree while you guys <laughs> take care of the fighting. Which, by the way, I mean, like, I guess you can get to it from other places, but on that, like, you know, chessboard scene, it mm -hmm. looks like you have to go through Winterfell to get to the Godwood, the Godswood. So it just seems like, you know, like, you, you did not like you lured him away or anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> You're making him go right through uh, Main Street. I mean, you know, Bran, he has tree powers, you know, it's what he knows, it's what's familiar. What if that was like some swamp thing shit in the 11th hour? He just like starts controlling the vegetation around him, those fucking trees start living. Turns like, into a walking up. tree. What's the un? The uns? Ents? Ents from ents. Uh, Lord of the Rings? Yeah. yeah, uns. What the fuck am I saying? But yeah, like they become ends and he's just like, listen, I've obviously always like stolen from Tolkien. Like, we're not, I'm not going to pretend like we don't have ends in this universe, but... right. Um, yeah, no, it's just an interesting thing that that is kind of like what this is coming down to. It's coming down to this, like, you know, this battle of light versus dark or whatever, but yeah. What I wonder is like, is the show going to resolve all of this in the next episode? And then the rest of it's going to be about them fighting Cersei or right. is it going to go till the very end? Like, I wonder how right. that's going to play out. Cause if Winterfell falls, we got to assume that most of those people are dead or on the run. Right. Um, well, we'll get into that here in a minute. I want to yeah. get into death odds and stuff like that. But you're you're absolutely right. When I talk about like, okay, well, what what happens next? The next episode is Battle of Winterfell or Battle for the Dawn or whatever the fucking bullshit name is or whatever like thing trends on Twitter and they decide to name the episode. Okay. <laughs> but my point is this: that like we know that that's the big battle, uh, eighty-two minute episode. In a lot of ways, the Battle of Winterfell, the Blackwater didn't spill over into another episode. Battle of Bastards didn't spill over to another episode, right? And now his mm -hmm. watch has ended as of the. Uh, didn't spill over into the next episode so i guess what i'm saying is like i would like to think that after these 80 minutes winterfell will either have fallen or they will have defeated the army of the undead which i don't think is likely i think like the night like the fact that cersei would never have to deal with the fucking night king kind of bothers me but at the same time there's a real possibility that they somehow do come out winners having lost a lot of people i hope right. and the the last three episodes are it's weird that the last three episodes would be a man war and that the fucking war of the undead, the apocalypse would be one that, that That gets taken care of. Episode three. <laughs> and now we get to what really matters. Cersei and her purchased soldiers. Um, who knows, man? Not me. I mean, do you, do you have a preference? At this point, I just want it to end. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. You're like a 13-year-old golden retriever. Your hips going out. You're just like, just give me the fucking shotgun, please. <laughs> No, and, and I, I know I, I said that for comedic effect, but like I mean that in the sense that like I'm fine almost at this point with whatever the show decides to do. I, I just hope it doesn't piss me off. Right. That that's really where I'm at with it. Like, just don't piss me off. Don't give me another beyond the wall, and I'll right. be okay. Well, it seems like they did a lot of setting up for certain characters to definitely bite the dust, and I want to talk yeah. about one for a second. How did you feel about Jorah kind of going to bat for Tyrion? Um, I don't know. It was a little strange. It's not I mean, earned, right? Like, wasn't no. earned. Like, I like again. If I'm talking about it on paper, 
it's nice that Jorah's like, ah, you know, someone I hated and I wanted to throw out of the boat. Like I've come around on and blah, 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 blah. But it, I never felt that. I never felt like there was this great, great well, respect. Cause he, cause he taught. Yeah. Like, and he talks about his respect for his mind, you know, what behind the words, the mind behind them. And it's like, in what way did Tyrion ever demonstrate his fucking brain power to, specifically to you in a way to that you would appreciate? Yeah. Well, that's my thing. Like Tyrion's greatest hits. He's usually fucked up or pontificating to his like fucking whoring buddy. Like all right. of his greatest hits, no one there is like, is able to vouch for them at a later time. They just, he just, he's like, he's like Michael Jack. Michael Jackson called himself the King of Pop. No one called him that. Like Tyrion's been going around like, giving himself his own fucking PR statements. Man. Yeah, he's so, the guy to tits and wine. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but that scene, like, yeah, it works on paper. It just didn't feel as earned as I would like. And then the next scene there, which is like, you know, I thought I would be your hands, and, like, I'm giving you advice. Like, give Tyrion another shot. Here's one more. Smash cut. Now she's going to go talk to Danny, right? Um, it's another it's scene Santa. that's... Oh, Sansa. I'm so sorry. Yeah, so it's Danny and Sansa speaking. And so, like, this is another scene where I'm like... I understand Sansa a little bit more, but I still don't like what I'm seeing from it. Um, it it like it came across as comical. And my other review, I think I even said like she tries to give the like, like we're all we got, like we're women in a man's world, like sort yeah. of speech. And I'm like, just like takes her hand and everything. Yeah, a little weird. It was a little weird, and like it, it was. It didn't seem sincere. It seemed like well, Jorah's telling me I gotta go play nice, so I'm gonna go play nice. And then the minute that she's challenged. Mm-hmm. she kind of recoils you know the first time she's challenged is because she's like well you should have never trusted uh cersei and then she's like neither should you have <laughs> you know what i mean like what she like visibly recoils for a second but it is the moment where she's like and what of the north like what happens after this one i like the confidence sansa that you think that there will be a north i think that's really sweet yeah. but um beyond that it raises a good question which is like i think she finally is mature enough maybe she's not the best player at the game but she's certainly not an amateur anymore and I think her yeah. intentions are of the best interest of the North. And so I understand that. But the recoil of Danny, the minute when she's asked about that, like she can't rule six kingdoms, got to be that seventh kingdom too. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. It makes me question who she is as a character. And we've been talking about this for weeks and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm rambling. I'll have you jump in. But like, is this a design of this is what the character was always sort of meant to do? Or is this a design of later season Game of Thrones that has made this character so schizophrenic from scene to scene? that I don't have a read on her. Like, is it, is, it by, is it creatively by design that now she's cracking at the seams now that she's on the one yard line, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, of getting the things that she wants to get. I just don't understand what's going on with Danny, man. I guess intellectually it makes sense in that, like, the entire show or from the moment she gained agency, her one goal has been to get the Iron Throne and everything she's done has been building towards that. But you would hope that, like, all those long fucking stretches in places like Astapor and Marine um, would have shown her that like, or developed her more as a human being. Right. Right. I thought that's what the point was that that would make her a better leader. Like, why did we sit through all of that? If she didn't mature past the point of this is mine, this belongs to me. Right. Because that's pretty much where she's at right now. Well, and again, Uh, it's a scene that, that, mercifully ends because there is an interruption this happens a lot this is a theme in this episode like conversations are happening and they're like ah some shit's going on we have to cut away from the important information but you know when they're having this conversation right when it gets a little you know choppy Mm -hmm. suddenly uh like uh, (laughs) lady stark like someone's here (laughs) yeah now the theons arrived at winterfell 
this is another weird scene for me, which is like, listen, I like Theon. He's 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 like Jamie Lannister 2.0, at least trying to have a redemptive arc. Right. Not really redemptive. Like what I liked about his 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 reunion with Yara last week is it was very much of the Iron Islands, right? Like very like Ironborn. This is how we deal. This is our hug it out bitch, so to speak. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then to kind of like reverse that, it's like, listen, he still killed children. He still laid siege to Winterfell. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he got his dick cut off, but I was like, oh, is, that, is that all it takes? Is that all it takes to, to get away from killing children? And so I realized he also helped Sansa escape Ramsey. I get all of that. Mm-hmm. But that reunion was strange, man. And, and look, again, I like the, the, the thematic symmetry of it. I like the idea that Theon was always between two worlds and was so, you know, what's the word I'm looking for here? Just like so spineless that he would go anywhere that the wind would blow just to have a, 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 a like a fleeting chance of acceptance of feeling like he belonged, right? <clears throat> this is him like having the choice to go back to the Iron Islands or it's him defending Winterfell, which would, you know, is his, his, his home for all intents and purposes. I like the symmetry of it. I did not love the reunion between those two characters. Right. I mean, I honestly didn't have any feelings either way. It, it was it was a weird thing for me, um, just realizing that like there was no one really left in Winterfell aside from Jon Snow, who would be pissed off at about him coming back anymore, despite the fact that they lost it because of him. Right. Um, but I was thinking about in terms of redemptive arcs, like you compared him to Jamie Lannister. Like Jamie Lannister tried to kill a kid. Right. And almost succeeded, but we were so much more on board with his redemption than we were Theon's, <laughs> um, which I think is interesting. Well, I mean, I just maybe it was earned more. Maybe, maybe it's because he was always misunderstood. Jimmy Lannister, like when we meet him, he's been dealing with 20 years of being like, you fucking traitor. You know what I mean? Like, like right. he was already at his wits fucking end by the time we meet this guy. So he's leading into so it. So he's already like primed to fucking push a kid out of window because just, he got I caught fucking like, his sister. Yes, man. If you're, if you're the man without honor, like what's one more? <laughs> like, it's not, like, not going to hurt my sterling reputation. So I feel like that's a little bit different where Theon like was given Lord's clothes and shit and was in taught, was taught how to fight and was given everything. He is that he's the stepchild that was, was chosen. Like have we got into this conversation about like stepchildren and shit like that. The idea of like, it's you choose to love something as opposed to like, well, it's my fucking blood and I got to, you know what I'm saying? And it's right. Like, for better or for worse. Yeah. He was a ward of the Starks, but he was chosen. He like, they chose to treat him right. And it's so upsetting that he would throw all that away just because he felt misguided. It's not the same thing as Jamie in my eyes. Well, I mean, uh, he also does make the point that he was always reminded of the fact that he was chosen and always reminded of the fact that he was a ward of the Starks and reminded of the fact of how grateful he should be for that. Um, I'm not gi- I'm not giving him an excuse, but just in terms of his emotional state, like sure. I get it. And then his father manipulates that um, to the point that he does some very terrible shit to try to win his approval. Right. Because he never had a strong father figure. I don't think Ned Stark ever embraced him on the level that, you know, he needed. Right. No, that I believe. I th- but I think, you know, Ned Stark was withholding from all of his kids in a weird way. You know what I mean? Like, right. certainly closer with others and, and not John and not Theon, but not like not like the most sensitive fucking guy in the world either. Um, and we'll, we'll get back to Theon in a little bit because I'm going to bring him back at the end. But uh, how do you feel about Davos seeing like another little grayscale lady? And they didn't say straight up that it was grayscale, but I was just like, oh, wait, I thought this was like this big thing that Stannis brought every motherfucking guy in mm-hmm. and like found the perfect cocktail to, to stop the spread of grayscale. 
And yet in Winterfell, just chilling, there's another grayscale little girl who looks exactly like Shireen. Right. A little, a little too on the nose, right? A little too uh, fan servicey. Eh, a little bit. I mean, I didn't have any major problems with it. I mean, I guess it's good to remind us that a child got burned at the stake for some reason. But um, yeah. Could have done it with dialogue, man. You have, you have this whole... No, seriously, I'm not even saying that. Like, there's a scene before that, before he sees the girl, where he's like, you know, we're not soldiers. He's like, you are now. And like, here's the thing. I survived the Blackwater. I survived the Battle of the Bastards. Like, you, 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 you could have had a line in that little monologue that he's giving about be brave motherfucker like you, you'll probably survive probably not but like try to or you could have you could have implied that all the things that were lost you know he lost his son and he lost someone he considered a daughter in a weird way i just feel right. like having it like straight up put on screen was a little a little a little too convenient a little, like, a little on the nose i don't know it's like this is like this is a fucking show that used to deal with subtlety man and now all of a sudden we're just like get another well, show in there yeah like, we're well beyond that we need to remind both the audience and Davos of that girl from a couple seasons ago. <laughs> what happened to her? She was burnt. I'm like, ah, oh, shit. I think, you think people really up. forgot this? Like, I don't know. It's just one line of dialogue. You could have made it happen. It just didn't happen. But yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Let's go through some shit I don't like either. Tormund. Tormund. Tor- He's Tormund, a cartoon character yeah, at this yeah, point. One of, my, one of my favorite characters early on, like watching him specifically in season two. Because he likes John almost immediately. That's the reason yeah. we like him. I like you, boy. <laughs> but I'll gut you. <laughs> yeah. And that's my point. Like, he's, he still likes you and he'll still murder you. Like, that's yeah. who he is. He's a crazy guy. And now he's literally almost a Looney Tune character. I yeah. did like what they did in the big fucking scene that we're working our way towards. I think that was good. But Yeah, but, but no, by and large, yeah, definitely a Looney Tune. Because I was rewatching like the, the um, Beyond, no, not Beyond the Wall, the Battle for the Wall, whatever that episode is called, right. um, very recently. And Tormund's like not very funny in that at all. Like he's right. scary. Um, he's legitimately like a fucking intimidating presence. And then in this, he's just like this fucking like Wiley Coyote Looney Tunes motherfucker. Wiley right. Coyote's not a good example, but you know what I mean. Um <laughs> He's just like, where's that big girl? All the time. Like he says like five fucking times. In the no, episode. I would, I would, I would take him being Wiley Coyote because he would be fucking brooding and silent and mischievously in the background doing shit. Like that would be an improvement over like the like. Oh, remember he wants to fuck Brian, right? Ha ha ha. Right. Or like the goat's milk scene, or the not goat's milk, that the giant's milk. Got me, dude. Like that freaked me out for a couple of reasons. Because, oh, I thought you were gonna say you loved it. And no, like, no, God, because he just felt like every drunk frat dude I know from Tampa. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like there's nothing charming about this behavior, but they all well, think that they're being charming. It was know? also just like weird comedy that the show tries to do and isn't good at. Right. Like anytime the show tries comedy anymore, it's just almost never good. Well, we've talked about this before about the theory of writing. And I think that you look at like Sopranos, Mad Men, even parts of Breaking Bad, like dramatic writers really know how to do comedy i think much better than comedic writers like mm-hmm. they because they, they break out of the formula a little bit they find something that's true to the world that's also funny when you go into it with the intention of like we're gonna tell this joke it's gonna be a funny like giant milk story or whatever it's like it immediately fell flat for me and just right. like the 30 seconds of fucking drinking i'm like this is a part of the runtime like we're gonna see this shit just yeah, really didn't work for me. I mean that that's one of the laziest forms of humor to me is like when a character does something wild and crazy and it's really awkward for everybody else. It cuts to their faces reacting, going, "Oh, this guy's wild and crazy," right. and it's just like the easiest, laziest fucking kind of humor you can do. 
and that's what we got 30 full seconds of it in the final season of this show. And so but at whatever. this point, but listen, at this point, people are going to be like, you're joyless. You're complaining about everything. And it's just like, I'm complaining about characters not being the same people that they were. And yeah. look, I'm not saying like, hey, yeah, people change. Absolutely. But mm-hmm. like, we're talking about seismic changes into who the characters were. Right. It'd be like I if mean, Voldemort became like a fucking funny side character. <laughs> like he became the yeah. comedic relief of Harry Potter. You'd be like, that's kind yeah, of weird. Like, Tormund actually like made me feel like something, you know, when he would say a line of dialogue. Like he was able to be funny, but he would also do like I don't know. Like there's this line after the the battle for the wall where John has him prisoner, and they're talking about Egret, and he's just like, "Take her beyond the wall and burn her." That's where yeah. she belongs. You understand, boy? And he like looks at him, and it's like a chilling fucking moment. And John right. just silently nods and takes her out beyond. But the he wall. hasn't had one of those in like three seasons, man. Like, yeah, I cannot remember the last like great torment moment that we got. And maybe it's hard home, maybe, and that's not even his fucking episode. But th- it seems like th- he, at least he's affected by something that's going on, and he's not there to be funny. Yeah, or I makes mean, a joke. On the other side of the coin, that actor, forget his name, uh, he's all in for everything, so good on him. Like, he's doing his goddamn oh, I best. I love him. I'm yeah, just sad that the character isn't what it once was, but whatever. All right, let's go to a couple other things quickly. Victory laps. Don't do them in scripts because that spells your doom. I can point to a couple examples. Uh, Hank making that call to Marie in Breaking Bad after he rests Walt. I'll be right back. All right, well, don't take a victory lap, guy. That's my number one rule of writing right. scripts because I know what's going to happen. Grey Worm taking a little bit of a preemptive victory lap. He's like, look, I'm going to make it out of here, all right, because I'm that good, I, and I'm here for my queen until the wars are over. But as soon as these wars are over, because the white people in Winterfell still don't trust them. That was my favorite uh, carry through from last episode. It was just like, man, they have not seen brown people, and they are sort of freaked out by brown people. Um, him and Missandei have a, have a, have a, have a, like a little happily ever after fantasy. Um, mm-hmm. Spells is doom, in my opinion. But I like yeah, that we're spending as, as time soon with as they, Yeah, I liked that because like those are two very underdeveloped characters. Still, um, they've had right. some charming little scenes together, but like pretty devoid of personalities. Past the fact that like they like each other, right. and they're loyal to Daenerys. But we get this little scene where he's like, "I will take you to Nath," um, which is like obviously you're never gonna do that because you're gonna fucking die. So right. And especially right. like he's been hurt a couple times and he's gotten out and it's just like, all right, man, you're a warrior. Like yeah. you probably need to die. And we'll go into death odds here in the back end. But I just saw that scene. I'm like, look, while I love that we're spending time with them. And I feel like that's the one thing I do want to give credit for on this. It did mm-hmm. seem like we gave time to as many people as we possibly could, as many relationships with varying degrees of success. But I'm still glad that we spent some of that time. Yeah, that's really important. Yeah, overall impression is a warm, fuzzy feeling that I got from this episode. Just for like, okay, this is like the last, maybe last time we'll get to see these Any characters. That, like that <laughs> we'll get to spend time with them and that they'll get to spend time with each other. So like, yeah, on that level, right. nailed it. Um, how do you feel about Ghost finally being back? We were bitching about this last week. Where you been, Ghost, for two seasons, but for one <laughs> brief season or one brief uh, scene, our boy ghost Man, a back. full a full season and nothing but ghost i'd be all in for that are you kidding me <laughs> where's that arc i want to see game of thrones through the wolf perspective man <laughs> like, it would literally just be him locked in like behind doors for an entire season hearing the events and this is the better yeah, call saw of game of thrones muffled version and he's a dog so they just sound like <laughs> ghost <laughs> yeah i mean i think i think i'm ready <laughs> like if we're gonna occasionally we're gonna john feeds him <laughs> If we're going to greenlight three fucking prequels, I mean, like, come on, guy. Like, how is the ghost prequel not there? 
this is the character people are clamoring for. You know, fuck yeah. the Obi Wan Kenobi. Everyone movie. <laughs> is here for it. They don't need that shit. They need Ghost. Um, I mean, happy to see that they remembered Ghost still exists. Right. Um, I let me jump to this because I did like this scene because Sam is just continuing to prove to be the best part of the season for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get that scene with uh, with Sam and John. And who's our boy from the Night's Watch? I always forget his name. Dollar is said, my friend. Dollar is said. All right. So, homie, which I liked him showing up at the end of the last episode, even if that was also like a little, oh, this motherfucker's here, I guess. Okay, sure. <laughs> like, we like him, but like, kind of came right. out of nowhere. Um, but yeah, so you know, they have that scene where they're kind of all talking and hanging out and like, Sam, you should be in the crypt. And he's just like, like need I remind you? <laughs> I killed a White Walker. I killed a Fen. Like those guys eat people, okay? They eat babies. Like, and you're over here not giving me credit. I just love that scene because he's offended in a way. I'm like, bro, I'm totally on your side. You're an academic, and you still got. To- he's the he's the he's the jock who also has straight A's. You're like, fuck you. Why are you good at everything? Like- no, I, I love seeing him stand up for himself because, like, early seasons, Sam wouldn't do that. You know, he'd be like, right. well, I killed a White Walker. I did. I killed one. And it's like, this one, no, I killed fucking White Walker. I killed it then. I stole some books from the fucking Citadel. Most guarded maester house in all of the maester houses. Right. Of all of them. Uh, all of them. It's, a big, it's a big deal. <laughs> we have to put that out. It's a big world, too. All right. So this, so this sort of begins the, the big the center point. You know, if this, if this whole episode is a big fucking feast, right? This is the centerpiece of it, I think. We get this, the scene that starts off is just a scene between Jamie and Tyrion. I wish father were here. Uh, which I think is also a really kind of funny callback for a split second. I'm like, yeah, Tywin Lannister would think all this is pretty peculiar, wouldn't he? You know what I mean? If he came back now and you had to be like, you've missed a lot. Okay, (laughs) where do we start? We get a whiteboard and shit. You're telling me the dead are marching on the wall. Yeah, like he'd be like... Can we not bring Charles Dance back for this? Like, god damn, or at least bring him back like... Yeah, like a skeleton Charles Dance, but he still talks. That'd be amazing. He's the one white that can like... He's like... couldn't take this away from me in death. And he just kept going. That would be the most fucking badass thing ever. Also, I just need an excuse to see Charles Dance do this role again because he's that right. good in it. But I mean, so it starts off as that, and we kind of get that like nice little whatever. And uh, it's a good moment between the brothers. And then one by one, they're joined. You know, Tormund shows up, and uh, Brienne and Podrick show up, and mm-hmm. uh, fucking Davos shows up, and we get the really uncomfortable fucking giant milk scene, whatever. Also, like to your point about like com- cheap comedy, Davos is the audience surrogate in that scene, right? Everybody's slow drinking, reaction shots, and then like, okay, we'll have a drink, you know? Like, yeah. fuck, fuck, man. Like, <laughs> like, and again, if this was any other show, I'd be like, that's acceptable because that's the conventions of TV. But like, right, yeah, making Davos like, oh, let's give him a pithy one. This isn't everybody loves Raymond, okay? Like, this would yeah. bother me so much about this scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, no, nothing. I mean, okay. Sorry. Yeah, I just, I mean, like, honestly, I don't have a lot of feelings about this episode. I'm going to be really honest. Like that, no. it's just it's fine. Okay. Well, let me let me just I'll lead then. I got all the feelings. I mean, I I can I can make up shit to say. No, like th- this scene was good. It, it was it was it was fine. Um, I liked the part where Tyrion is like, 
you have a drink, you have a drink. And, and Brian is like, only half a drink, Podrick. You have a water fight. And he just keeps pouring <laughs> wine. And that look that Podrick gives him and the look that Tyrion gives back to him was actually really solid. Comedy. Well, I love that. I take yeah. back what I said about the comedy. Exactly. Which yeah. is like, well, that's different. That works as a comedic scene because it works between them. It's also yeah. just like anyone with eyes can see what you're doing. <laughs> Like he's, he's too drunk to be fully ashamed but he knows he should be <laughs> and Podrick's just like yeah i don't know what i expected jesus christ man um okay but then so from there then we kind of get this other scene we're talking about like everyone's kind of going around giving these like slightly emotional like hey at least we'll die with honor i guess that's a cool thing you know mm-hmm. like if the histories don't get erased they'll probably talk about us that's exciting um but it all kind of culminates into the scene where Jane, uh, Brienne hasn't been knighted. She's like, you're not a knight. Like, and Tormund's the one to kind of be like the big, <laughs> the big, like mm-hmm. the, the social justice warrior in a good way in this instance of, of Westeros, right? Like, he's just like, what? You can't knight a woman? That makes no fucking sense to me, blah, 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 right? And he's advocating for this. And they're just talking about, well, like a king has to knight you. And traditionally, this is something that only men can do. And right. Jamie's like, fuck that. I'm a dispel of that fucking notion. Like, uh, let me tell you, all you need is another knight to knight somebody. And we kind of get this sweet scene. I do like it a lot. And I, and I don't care if it's inartistic and I don't care if it's like purposely manipulative. I like this scene a lot because again, it's like the one pure thing that Jamie has had. Uh, I think about all of his relationships and not just his romantic relationship with his fucking sister, which is nasty and blah, 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 blah. He didn't have like a father who loved him. His mom died when they were super young, right? Yeah. Um, so it's not like he got, he's never had a functional relationship that's based on admiration respect love um and this is this is the thing where like and, and the only thing he can give left right because think about who jamie lannister was at the beginning of this story as much of an asshole as he was he was the the height of his power right he was uh, on the king's guard and and he was the the protector of the fucking yeah. you know the, the 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 crown and it's like such a big place and now he's like lost all of that um and he's okay with that he's at peace with that because it allows him to feel good about himself to feel to be fully redeemed and also to give back in a way until to, to, to receive love and to give love in a way that he never could before. And so I love this scene, man. And I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit if they got me on this fucking fan service stuff. Okay. Like this is the one time where I'm no, like, all I, right. I, yeah. Yeah. I know I'm staring at you blankly, but no, I really did actually like this scene a lot. Um, it, it also probably marked Brienne for death. Um, but uh no really really sweet touching scene and um i love at least up until now that jamie and brienne's relationship is just one that's born out of like just pure mutual respect like on a professional level and a personal level um but they just genuinely they're just two people that genuinely fucking respect each other it almost reminded me of like like the few times when don draper would like look at peggy and acknowledge her like as as an equal yeah Yeah. um it was like that kind of level of emotion and that was earned up to a point you know right so that works um but also like as much as i haven't liked Tormund the entire time the fact that he's the first one clapping out of that which is like okay you got out of that one note you were singing still 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 a comedic moment yeah but he's just riding high on that giant's milk (laughs) he's fucking stoned i love that he has a horn of it It's that's like sour. a literal Yeah, fucking... that's like sour milk and cocaine to him, man. He is riding fucking high. He's fidgeting. He's like, she just got knighted. She just got knighted. Like, he's losing his shit. 
No, but like, like cuts I, I, of torment vision. There's just <laughs> leprechauns and rainbows exploding and shit. Ice spiders and shit. No, man, it was it was a sweet scene. I ultimately kind of really liked it. And um, from there, I guess let's go to the the scene that people are freaking out about. And I and I get it. And I hate to count myself as a basic bitch, but I feel like I'm a basic bitch in this situation because I feel like I, I'm I'm a I'm I'm among the people who were like freaked out by this scene. I said it on my other review as well, symmetrically on a filmmaking standpoint from this episode alone, it's sort of fine. Um, we start that off when she goes to the forgery and she's kind of like lingering back and watching him work and blah, 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 blah. And then when she's doing the archery later, he's lingering back in the shadows and he's watching her and sure, all that's fine from, from that standpoint. <clears throat> Didn't work for me. When we did the season two or season three recap, I forget which one, when, mm-hmm. she, when he's going to go off with the Brotherhood Without Banners. There was that scene, and we even, we even, I even stopped the show, and I'm like, let's talk about this because it bothered me. Okay, like, yeah, or he's just the, like, the milady thing. Like, yes. you wouldn't be um, my family; you'd be milady, right? Yeah, and we talked about this because I was like, that creeped me out a little bit. And you're like, well, I don't think it was like that. I think it was like, you know, he he realizes that she's like this highborn, like she's this really good yeah. fucking and, woman, and he's lowborn, even though he's not really. I mean, yeah. And and I stand by that. Um, I just think that this sh- dynamic has shifted now. Um, and so, like, I've seen a lot of people freaking out about this, and I totally get it. It was an uncomfortable scene to watch, honestly, um, because like, and this is like where the continuity gets fuzzy. Um, but like, in the continuity of the show, like someone brought up, like Gilly's baby has been an infant since like season three. Right. And in season three, Arya was saying goodbye to Gendry. That baby's still a fucking infant. Right. So how old is Arya? That's kind of my weird. Or point. does that baby have a weird baby deformity? <laughs> staying a baby forever. <laughs> That's the curse of the all the Craster keep babies, man. They just stay babies. Now they grow up. They learn how to talk. They learn how to to work the field, but they don't have good balance. Their heads are way too heavy. It's a whole fuck. It's a shit life. Okay, like why would you remind? That's him why of that? he was giving away the boys the whole time. They were terrible workers. Yeah, you need the labor, and these these aren't laborers, man. Yeah. Um. So I mean, you know, whatever. The scene in question is like, you know, she's like, yeah, we're about to die. You know, there's yeah. a scene before this, by the way, and we will, we will circle back to it with Hound and Beric Dondarrion, but I, I want to get to the controversy first, which is just like, yeah, we're about to die. I want to know what all the fuss is about. My being freaked out isn't at, the, at a woman having agency, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's that, like, dude, I've just rewatched this whole show with you. And it's like, I remember yeah. little Arya. <laughs> like, right. I remember supposed to be eight-year-old Arya, and it just creeps me the fuck out to think that like this is happening and, and even though you're like well i think the dynamic has shifted i can buy that but it's still a really hard pill to swallow because i didn't think they did anything to suggest that other than like oh it's out of necessity like hey we're the last two people on earth and like you're kind of good looking and like let's let's get at it you know yeah i mean well it is weird like, uh, i i guess Arya has never really had a chance to be a normal person or to be a teenager or to enjoy being a teenager or to fucking have any interest in in boys or whatever like that's never even been indicated in the show so i just kind of always assumed up to this point that she was still like kind of an adolescent with a really fucked up past um so for them to kind of like turn the character this way a little bit it was a little jarring it was like oh okay i guess she's like a teenager now she's a full-grown person and on that level it's fine i don't know if that makes sense but it's just like it came out of nowhere a little bit 
Uh, well, I hate that people are surprise. like, people are like, people have gotten their dicks cut off in this. And mm. you know what I mean? Like, like why, why is this the thing that freaks you out? And I'm just like, I don't know. That's built into the world. Okay. Like, it's built into the world. You know, like watching this like poor innocent girl who like her father was decapitated sort of in front of her. And then she had to run for the next four years of her life or whatever. It's like mm-hmm. rough. It's weird. Like we feel protective over her and we know Gendry's a good guy, but like, I feel yeah. like literally I'm like a dad, like talking about a prom <laughs> date. Like I know he's a good guy, but still it's prom. There's an expectation. Like, and so that's, <laughs> that was my beef with the whole yeah. episode, man. At, well, I mean, in, in fairness, like, you know, uh, Arya um, is the one who pursues him. Um, it's of her own volition or whatever. There's, in a show where as much rape happens as it does in the show or much incest, like, good on you for having a consensual um i'm not going to say adult relationship because again kind of nebulous how old these people are but uh good on him for not having rape i guess right um right. yeah it's no well i mean what do i gotta say what would i have to sell that idea max i gotta be like you know the thing about rape is it's bad like yeah of course we're all there so i will simply say right okay mm-hmm. um yeah, I mean, like, again, I shouldn't be freaked out about it. Again, I, I think we're all just attached to who we thought that character was and, like, hey, people can grow up and people can want things. But still a little weird. And it, and it didn't feel as earned as I would like. If they had done anything else where, like, you know, if they had run into each other last season and, and, and they had had more of a moment than maybe – maybe they had set yeah. that up with one or two scenes. It just felt, like, so out of left field. And that's where I'm complaining about before we get to the big other reveal, even though it's not a reveal, shit we've known now since last season, and we're still just telling people, like every episode has to end with someone else being told some shit. Um, let's get to the Hound Barrett Dundarian scene very quickly. All this is preceded, the, the Gendry Arya scene. It's all preceded with this like scene, the quiet scene between Arya and the Hound. We mentioned mm-hmm. it earlier, like, oh, I looked after you. That was very sweet. Barrett Dundarian coming back too um, yeah. was was, you know, a little little weird because it's like she's like oh is he on your list and that's cute we're remembering that there's a list and we're remembering right. that Beric was on there but like Beric is not like he's so removed from this like Davos yeah. is, is is in the same boat as like a secondary character but like we're invested in Davos I, yeah. I don't give a shit about Beric Dondarian. and that was kind of the problem with him like stumbling into this moment that I actually did give a shit about is because he like immediately interrupts it just as it's getting interesting he's like hey guys I'm a part of this conversation now <laughs> It's like, dude, read the room. Right. No, man. He's got no situational awareness. <laughs> like, they're trying to have a moment. It's I mean, to, to be fair, he has no depth perception either. So, you know. <laughs> they took his good eye. Like, this shit's like 2200 at best, okay? Like, he's legally blind, but he doesn't want to wear glasses. It looks weird with the eye patch and shit. So he's just doing the best he can. Yeah, um, he could, but, you know, a monocle, I'm just saying. I've told you repeatedly, season four, with its flaws, I love so much because I love Arya and the Hound. Um, this scene was what I wanted from last week's scene um, when they had their brief moment. Like, that wasn't enough. Like, this was a more honest version of it. And maybe it was because they were by themselves, by themselves and as soon as Barrett came, they were still, like, honest, but it, the dynamic changed again. Like, maybe they can't be that intimate with one another when anyone else is there to witness it. Um, but overall it was a scene that did work for me and I really dug it. So from there, let's go to the crypts very quickly, because again, (laughs) we've known this since the, this what season finale of season seven, we found out again, reiterated, uh, the last episode, let's do it one more time. Now, John finally breaks the news. Like, Hey, you know, this whole thing was predicated on 
you know, your, your brother like raping uh, Leanna Stark and it was terrible. Yeah. And but here's the thing. That's not true. Like, in fact, they loved each other and they married secretly and, and they had a bastard and blah, 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 blah. And guess what? I'm that bastard. Psych. You know what I mean? Like, like really, <laughs> I mean, he's just like that. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what happened, man. He's just like, he goes the roundabout way. And I guess like, you got to tell a story. It's not the news. It's how you deliver the news. All right. Cronkite yeah. will tell I you mean, that. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was thinking like, how else do you broach that? You know? Hey, um, by the way, you're my aunt, and also I'm the actual rightful heir to the Iron Throne, so... Well, she loses her shit about that almost immediately. Like, that would mean, like, inconceivable! She's the Sicilian <laughs> yeah. from Princess Bride and shit. Like, like, it made no sense. I mean, it made sense to me that she would act like that, because, again, this is the one thing she's known her whole life. But at the same time, she knows John. She knows John has no interest in ruling the North, let alone the other fucking six kingdoms. Right. He's practically so, abdicated the North to Sansa at this point anyway. Right. Like he, he's just like, I just want to fight these guys and live. It's also a secret that not a lot of people know. So it's something that could easily be kind of like swept under the rug. But the problem is, and, and they've set this up in the previous episodes, is like Danny's probably, she's mostly morally bankrupt. Like Sam told him that because he's like, no, you're the rightful heir. We can't let her, you know what I'm saying? Like it's the yeah. pressures of the office. Like, well, you're the right man for the job. So it should be you. And he's just like, right. nah, man, I'd rather just chill. <laughs> but instead, the right man for the job is the man who doesn't want it. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so I just think that that's like this weird, interesting thing where it's like, yeah, he still doesn't want the job and he probably would. I think he still believes in Danny. And again, there's a good, line of dialogue earlier in the episode that we kind of glossed over with Sansa and Danny, where she's like, men do stupid things when they're in love. Like I want to they can be easily manipulated. She's like, yo, all I've known my whole life is this, this quest for the throne and I'm thousands of miles away in the North fighting his wars. Like who's, who's manipulated whom. And I thought that was a good point. Like, I was like, okay, this is a debate team. This is a, what is it? A Lincoln Douglas, right? Like, like right. These two, uh, she made a good point. And now the counterpoint, which is just like, I feel you, but what happens with the North? Like, is she doing this be, to be helpful to John, or is she doing it to, to to really just get the ally they need in the North in order to take the Iron Throne later? <clears throat> so I'll turn this over to you really quickly, but the scene plays out in expected fashion. And before, again, when things are getting interesting, like the metaphorical Beric Dondarrion will step in and be like, hey, what's up? <laughs> like, like, you know, like the war drums start playing, the horns go off, like, oh, shit, the dead are here, so we can't finish this conversation danny's now going into this fight john's going into this fight not knowing where the other one is coming from like mm -hmm. she just revealed that uh or he just revealed that he's the rightful heir she doesn't know if he wants the throne they haven't talked about that at all we don't know how she's feeling we're going into this epic fucking battle of life and death and no one really knows how they're feeling danny could just take off in the middle of this battle if she wanted to Man, what, what do you think people would do if kit harrington dies like page one of the next episode it would bring it back to like the or the glories. If they listen, Game of Thrones would buy me so much goodwill. If literally page four, he's dead. Just takes an arrow through the fucking head. Not not even a good goodbye. He dies in bed holding yeah. a hand. No, dead. Like comes back as a white, and he's just like oh. And then all that the fucking be... <laughs> like Stark bodies from the crypts of Winterfell also rise up, kill all the Stark children, starting with Bran. <laughs> Daenerys's dragons also die. Right. I told you, a part of me just wants the final shot to like not even be confrontation. Just like, you know, the, the Winterfell falls, the last shot is King's Landing, and like the army of the dead is like walking on the wall and just fade to black. Like, we know what happens. 
We know Cersei's going to die. Like, we don't get to see it. That's how fucked up this show is. We don't get to see the woman who obviously deserves to be killed violently, but... Or you could have Edgar Wright come in for the very last episode, turn it into a Shaun of the Dead kind of parody. Right. You know, just have, like, you know, Kit Harrington zombie and, like, Daenerys zombie and, like... Arya zombie. You're saying you want this, but you don't really want this. <laughs> and they, they have like kind of a dance fight scene set to like a Queen song. I mean, it would be Cersei's ex-boyfriends before before Jamie. <laughs> it's like, ah, shit. Night King has to fight all seven of them, and it's a thing. And but... then Eur- Euron comes in, and he's like, I'm going to fuck the Queen with my cock. But the Night King and that's just... how it ends. He winks at the camera, cut to black. That's how it ends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christ. All right, calling let's... it. Let's do death odds, man. <laughs> Bran, she gone. I love her, but she gone. Grey Worm, gone. Yeah, Brienne. Beyond, gone. Maybe Miss Sandy, also. Maybe. Well, one or the other, I think. I don't well, think because they both away. they both straight up said like we're done with Daenerys when she wins the throne. Mm-hmm. So they both kind of abdicated their role in this story already. So right. it's not a big deal to kill them off. Sure, but I think it's a big deal because the war isn't just like the War of the Dead. They still got to go take on Cersei afterwards. So in a way, it'd be great if Grey Worm survives and Masande dies. You know what I mean? You got to keep one of them around for the emotion. Keep one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I I think those three are for sure gone. I think Jorah also maybe on the chopping block. Beautiful scene between Sam and Jorah. I did like that uh, where he gives him the family sword, which is kind of a big deal. And also, Yeah, I like that too. Bit of a redemptive arc, finally. When When we first see Jorah, we always know he's a good dude. We do. Even though he's like spying on Danny at the behest of the crown and shit, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like he's still a man of honor. We know how much it meant to him to be a man of honor. Yeah, he's and how just much a broken man. Him. Yeah, when we meet him, yeah, absolutely. He already hates himself because he's more ashamed of what he did than anyone punishing him for it. You know, right? And so, like, this is a really sweet moment. He gives him that sword, and I'm like, great, yeah. that's great. Friends Remember when John offers to give him his actual family sword in the oh. Beyond the Wall episode, and he's like, no, I couldn't. I couldn't so take like that from one, you. And so then, by the way, like one week of time only, by the way. Right. And then in this episode, Sam is like, here's my family. So he's like, all right, I'll take it from you. Right. And it's Valyrian steel, which, you know. Is it kind kills of White big, Walkers. Yeah, it's kind of a big deal. I think that that's good. But like the idea is that they have nothing but like a forgery of White Walker killer things now, right? Like blades, arrows, you name it, we got it. Dragon Glass. Like, <laughs> like it's literally, it's almost an infomercial for that shit. So I did like the touch of Dragon Glass just being stuck on every stone and rock in Winterfell. That's kind of badass. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a nice touch. It's going to come in handy. I'm sure. Maybe. <laughs> but he, yeah, I, all right. So my point is that I think I got those four dying for sure. But w- this is the show that gave us Beyond the Wall, man. So there's a real chance that we're going to get some shit. Like people are going to get out of it. Let me ask you this. What's the minimum number of people to be killed that you'll accept? And here's the thing. Like, again, Grey Worm, Masande, if they like kill both of them off, bullshit. All right. Like, we got we to gotta take out some beloved people. Also, next episode, maybe it's going to entirely be Battle of Winterfell, but. We should also point out that that Braun is supposedly in transit to, to kill the brothers or something. I don't know why he would do that. I don't know if he would go to Winterfell to do that, but that was like kind of what was tasked from him in the in the last episode, right? Like, go kill right. my brothers, and he's just like, "Fuck, come and on!" Somehow man. he teleports across the continent that's the size of North and South America combined in like one day, and just yeah. fucking shows up. Hey guys, we spent seasons of them taking forever to get places. We got a story to tell. That's what every fucking idiot on the internet says. Like, 
Fuck right. you. Fuck just fuck you and your bull- bullshit inconsistency and how you. It's view literally time. like going from like fucking Buenos Aires to Maine right. in like a day on horseback. <laughs> I was gonna say on motorcycle, and you reminded me. Like, no, on horseback. Like, way fucking longer. I saw Motorcycle Diaries. That took a month, okay, and that was just to fucking Colombia. Right. That's crazy to me, man. Ugh. And yeah, it it might happen. That's the weird fucking thing. Like, it totally could happen, (laughs) and we're just gonna have to deal with it because that's what the story needs now. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm saying you got to kill at least two people, and they got to be heavy hitters. You got to kill Brienne. I think you got to kill. Jora, or you got to kill Theon. I think Theon is the one most set up to do it. You know, like, oh, I want to fight for Winterfell, and he's going to be by Bran uh, mm-hmm. with some more Ironborn. It seems like he's definitely, definitely gone. Bran might survive, but I feel like if they don't kill at least two of these people that we really love, like, just a tragic misstep. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, because why are we just going to keep killing? It's like the Beyond the Wall episode is so frustrating upon rewatch because I forgot that they brought random wildlings with them. Like, I forgot that. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, and they're all the ones who die. All the exactly. nameless fucking people. So <laughs> I'd be really mad if it's like 10,000 casualties, but none of the five people that we give a shit about, man. Yeah. No, I'll be pretty upset. And that's just really what I'm looking for is to not be upset after I watch these episodes. And I haven't been upset so far. I've had some issues with them, but that would right. be uh, upsetting if like in the final season, and I, I am like almost 95% sure that they are going to straight up kill some very beloved characters. I hope they do, um, which makes me sound awful, but like I really hope that they take the stakes as seriously as they've been taking them up until now. Or who say is they your, should be. Who is your 100% safe? Um, I think... I think Tyrion's probably going to be totally fine just because... But, by the very end of the show? Well, for this battle specifically, not by the oh, end yeah. of the show. And we'll get it. I, it I, it I wanna, would be a big shock if he died. Right. That's, Especially that's because sure. they've set him up to be like, when this is over. I I'm guessing survive. Sansa is going to survive because yeah. uh, Sansa is the Stark in Winterfell. And they've definitely like, that's been her whole character arc is growing into a position of leadership and uh, agency. So it'd be interesting if they killed her. Sure. Um, Arya might die. It's possible, but I don't know. Um, I hope she dies, and I'll tell you why. A little too shit-talky for my liking. Like, well, and I've seen beforehand, she's like, I've seen death. He has many faces, and I look mm-hmm. forward to seeing Fuck you. You have not seen the many faces of death. Like, you, she has, like, she's the person who did, like, acid one time and then was an acid expert. You know what I'm saying? Like, no. You spent two weeks in France. You're not fucking Parisian, okay, Aria? Like, this bothers the shit out of me. And then maybe she's got more than two weeks in France. Okay, when it comes to murdering people. <laughs> but I'm just saying that, like, again, she isn't like this this super fucking ultimo badass. Like, yeah, yeah she's trained and she's I, a better fighter, but like, no, she's not yeah. she's not that character. I also didn't buy her beating uh Brienne when they were sparring in the last season. Right. Like Brienne is a fucking trained swordsman woman who's who beat Jamie doing, Lannister. I mean who beat Jamie Lannister, also kind of beat the hound. Right. What do you kind of? I think she beat the hound. <laughs> she beat the oh, yeah. hound. Yeah, she straight up beat the hound. <laughs> <laughs> Always trying to take it away from the woman, man. Like, what does this say about you? She just got knighted and you're still Always. trying to fucking downplay. So you're picking her. up on patterns here and calling yeah, me out in this Game of Thrones spot. Yeah, right. right. Fair enough. What are you doing? This was a long overdue. Yeah. I mean, look, overall, yeah. again, 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 much I think a much better episode than the last one. 
Uh, I know that next week the spectacle will be there because they have no problem doing the spectacle, Max. That's not their, that's not the issue that they have. So I think next week will be surely entertaining, and I hope some of the, the deaths that we are going to have to get for this story to be true to what it was, I hope they are emotionally impactful. Um, and, and if anything, like, you know, season five is kind of a mess, but I liked Hard Home for the, the way it would escalate the tension every five to ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, when you're like, this can't possibly get worse or more exciting. It does. Fuck me. Like, I would love if they kind of built on that. And yeah. each, each escalation would be a pivotal thing that's more character-driven than just action-driven. So that's my hope for it. And I think that, like, this is where the, some of the best stuff, like, of the later seasons has been their big spectacles because they've been able to find the little personal moments in the spectacle to, right. to make it a little uh, bit better. Aside from Beyond the Wall, and that should go without saying, I guess. But, like, it, the best I can hope for is a Battle of the Bastards. Yeah. You know, I mean that's a solid late Game of Thrones it's episode. It's a man. good versus evil, as straightforward as it gets. That's fine. Just execute on you know the fucking spectacle, and I'll be all right. Don't right. do anything stupid. Do you? And I don't want to because we should end this because I want to keep it mostly to the episodic review. But I will ask you one last question because one of the rumors people keep messaging us about or commenting us about, hey man, Night King's totally brand, right? And that's not a new theory. But I wonder why people give it so much credence because I don't buy it. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not seeing the clues. Maybe the breadcrumbs are all there. Okay. I mean, they're both creepy. They both <laughs> look at birds. I just like that um, scene. Who said it? Who said it where he's just like, you've had a strange journey? And he's like, stranger than most. <laughs> like, <laughs> ah, you creepy, fucking weird motherfucker, man. Like, I don't here's know. Here's the thing because I'm rewatching the seasons. Like, uh, why can't. Uh, he talked with a little bit of inflection. I know he's the keeper of the world's memory, but right. like the previous three-eyed raven yeah, had a personality. <laughs> yeah. well, Max von Sydow, man. Like, yeah. He's one of the greatest actors. and He wasn't just going to show up. Like Isaac That Hempstead's dude, just that dude has up. looked 65 for the past 40 years. Like, good on him. Yeah, um, I mean, like he, he's a thespian. This guy, he like took a whole season off. He never got over that, so he's just phoning it in. He's just collecting the paychecks, man, you know? But in any case, we'll figure it out. We'll figure <laughs> it out, I guess. Anyway, um, any last thoughts on episode two? Uh, it was Maybe. fine. It was just fine. I'm glad people liked it. Uh, it made me feel things sometimes, which is more than I can say for the first one. Um, I hope that this, uh, the rest of this season is just going to be nothing but payoff, baby. That's all I want. That's all I want is some fucking spectacle. Is that, is that all you want or that's all you can hope for? Because That's all that, I can hope for. There you go. Okay. I was going to say, <laughs> because the payoff is like, well, at least if they pay off, then it's like, we can't yeah, say that we no, didn't I, get what I, we wanted. I, I think I've made that pretty clear in the past two reviews. Like right. that, that is where I'm at with this show. I, all I want is just some fucking well done spectacle right. and some uh, knots, the t- loose ends tied up in the knots. Okay. Uh, Last above. 10 seconds of the show. Do the dead is the the threat of the dead is it completely gone or do you think this carries on into the last three episodes? I you know I don't know I honestly don't know. Um, that that is one positive I can say about this season, or maybe it's a negative because the plotting hasn't been there, or maybe it's positive because the plotting has been like really subtle and we haven't seen it. But I don't know where the fuck it's going, sure. and I think we'll have a better idea of like the shape this season is going to take after the next episode. Well, and I, I think, think that's that- more of the conversation we can have after that. Sure, because everything's been leading up to this one moment. I think my yeah. issue with the season so far is that it's had some really wonderful character moments, but the problem is they've been doing nothing 
butt character moments for two episodes and they are not firing at even a 70% rate to me, which is what we were used to. You know what I'm saying? Like in the later post season four kind of Game of Thrones. So I think that that's the problem. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm not, I don't need action. I just, I feel like the action will bring out the character moments we want because now we spent two quiet episodes with varying degrees of success for the individual character moments. With that, I think this brings us to an end of our uh, episode two review. We will obviously be back next week to do episode three. We will also fucking get those seasons out. I promise, Max. We're going to get those out, right? Like we promised. We made a commitment to it. We're going to do it. You're going to see season four coming around the pike any day now. And also, I want to point out that once we're finally out of the shadow of Game of Thrones, which, look, I like, I love Game of Thrones. I really do. But what a monumental undertaking the the, the rewatch is. Really excited to finally get to the movie portion of the the, the title. Yeah. Uh, we have a bunch of movies that we've picked out. I'm really excited for you to see in my list. You said you hadn't seen any of them. I think mm-hmm. it's a pretty eclectic list of like shit you probably should have seen and maybe some lesser known stuff. Your list, I don't think I've seen anything on it. So I'm really, really excited about it. Um, and we will, you know, deep dive into these things yeah. that mean something to both of us. And to be clear again, uh, what movies and shit is, it's not Game of Thrones cast. It's not just movies either. It's literally anything we want to deep dive on. So it could be, you know, a fucking book. It could be a g- right. TV show. It could be anything. So like a lot of exciting stuff coming around the bend on old movies and shit. Right. We'll start a, a little book club burning at some point and we'll just, you know, we'll keep it going. We'll do a re- monthly readership and we'll get Oprah. Yeah, just sounds like book burning. <laughs> Didn't even think about it. Didn't even think about the fucking connotation. Jesus Christ. All right. Well, with that one, let's go get out of here. One episode without bringing up Nazis. Fucking Bradbury's turning in his grave right now. Like, what the fuck, man? Anyway, with that, we will be back next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of Movies and Shit. Bye.